What's up, man? Hello, good to see you, Brian. Good I to tell see you, it's you. good coming back to Russellville. Uh, I know, man. Nice. You moved off. Um, I mean, I could have been, you know, coming over and hitting your rowing machine up like we were, you know, back in COVID. Yeah, yeah. I miss Russellville. It's a good town. Good town to raise a family in. But I like North Little Rock as well. Well, and you're uh, close to your 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 right. family. Mm-hmm. Get to be a, a granddad. That's uh, right. What second grandbaby? Is it here yet? No, it's due. Uh, we uh, the original date was November nine, but it, uh, we okay. get the feeling it's going to be early. So. All right. uh, so uh, what what my daughter thinks is a due date and what the OB Jen thinks are two different uh, mm-hmm. two different dates so uh, probably early November you know it's interesting how life changes this time last year I had no grand we my, my, Kathy we had no grandchildren mm-hmm. had no thought of having grandchildren really because uh, we just didn't know and here it is a year later we're going to have two in the same calendar year that's how fast life changes sometimes and, man it does because I know you know we worked uh for uh, with people listening we worked together for four years mm-hmm. and um i c- i was there for that transition of like yeah i don't know <laughs> if i'll ever be a granddad uh mm-hmm. times two yes so and same thing for trey yes, you know like right. uh because right. he's got his second on that's the right. way that's which right. i forgot to maybe we did talk about that like he came up and we talked for an hour before we podcasted and then podcasted mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I miss, miss seeing you guys yeah, on the regular. Yeah, yeah. So glad you uh, were able to take the time and come on down. Well, I appreciate you inviting me up. So Yeah, well, so in the background, and uh, people can't hear, but you actually gave me this final record we're listening to, Four Way Street, right? Yes, uh, sir. Cros- Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. You know, the irony, and it's like this. It's so weird. It's like this with jiu-jitsu techniques for me, words. Um, so my best friend told me about this album and then maybe two weeks later you gave it to me mm-hmm. and that that was my first exposure to it you know i've been uh, i like neil young but i never got super into crosby still snask you know now I, I think that's two albums of yeah. i have yeah um hey, cora will uh one time she was joking with me uh, on text and she goes um think i might cut my hair to that she's like just going into the lines and i was like really you know and she had me on like three lines of the song before i was like wait a second but you gave me that album too yeah i did i gave you some little feet if i remember correctly you know and i just my that same buddy colby who's been on the podcast i did i gave him that little feet album that i i text you about which um at arkansas cd and record exchange what is the guy's name in there Bill. bill bill he um he was like, yeah, I'm going to have to absorb one of these into my collection. <laughs> I was like, I understand. Yeah, I tell you, um, it's good to go to a record store and the person working there knows music. Mm-hmm. You can walk in there and tell them I want uh, I want Lou Reed's third album. He'll take you right to it, you know. And it's really interesting how, uh, and I knew you'd like music, Brian. I, I, I do. A, a, a perfect gift is vinyl. You can't go wrong you, with You man, and I can't remember if this is the first one you gave me. I almost pulled that last waltz out. Oh, yeah. I think that was the first one I gave you. And uh, I think I, that may have been the first, because yeah. I was thinking about it, and I was like, oh, because yeah. there's several over there. Yeah, that's that's Doc, a, Doc Watson? That's right. You know, uh, to give you the, um, the last waltz would be like going from a walking to a Cadillac. Oh yeah, in, I do. You know, in one step, I tell you, the waltz, uh, the uh, last waltz is top shelf. I, I, I mean, don't it's... Know, you know, I always I often wonder if you had ten albums. I know you probably thought this. If you had to have only ten albums throughout history of all time, 
what would your top ten be? I think the last waltz would have to be in one of my top ten. Oh yeah, it's so that unique. Maybe too. Oh, that, that That's a top one for me as well. So many good ones. Cora mm -hmm. loves that medley that Neil does acoustic, and I do too. Yes. Uh, the mm -hmm. Cinnamon Girl. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. and you mentioned uh, uh, forty nine. Uh, what is it? Forty nine bye byes. Forty nine bye bye. Yeah. Oh, yeah. so That's good. a great tune. Yeah. And I never heard yeah. that version. You know. Yeah, that's off of their uh, initial album, the ones, them sitting on a sofa in front of a house that no longer exists either. Okay, so I just, I saw Panic recently, and I'm seeing him again next week, but I saw him in Huntsville, and, uh, Alabama? yeah, where the space camp is, mm -hmm. and they did, like, this space theme, um, it was, I, I keep calling them Space Panic, mm -hmm. but, because <laughs> they did, they really took it over the top with the spacey, uh, theme, but they played, um, uh, for what it's worth yeah, yeah. and um, yeah man they crushed it for one and then um, when they stopped listening what's that sound at the end mm -hmm. they he said stop and then they abruptly cut everything wow this like a, a stop in the song and then they came back in on this song they have and panic's known for this kind of stopping and going mm -hmm. and then they went right into this song they have called stop go <laughs> but they also played um crush this too one time they were playing it live in dc and i saw i saw him play it and it made me cry walk on by neil young mm -hmm. they kill that song so yeah. so hard yeah. um i bought a neil young and a um john prine album at arkansas cd and record wow Exchange which too. prime did you get it was a greatest hits compilation but it was like it's an older greatest hits does it have him smoking a cigarette in a square on the album does it have dear abby on it i can't remember i was it was ten dollars so i was like oh my god yes with anything no brainer yeah ten john prine is a great underappreciated songwriter oh agreed very good songwriter everybody was upset um when he was honored as as much as mm -hmm. all of the current artists thought like uh, jason isbell yes. and yes. um oh what's his name uh, turtles all the way sturgill simpson yes. like a bunch yes. of guys like that made comments about you know him not being acknowledged by the execs yes. in the music yeah. industry as much he wrote a lot of songs you know that people don't know he wrote and um you know a lot of those like you know that's the reason i like that style of music guys who fly just below the radar like like a lyle lovett and guy clark mm -hmm. i'm a big as you know i'm a big oh yeah texas the towns van zant kind of stuff and a guy clark and joe ely and um my wife and i just saw um oh, what's his name i can't think of his name i saw him um i think of it later uh, uh did you see the we were trey and i were talking about lonesome dove mm -hmm. um did you see uh i know booty has um the guy that um what's the guy's name that wrote lonesome dove his son's mcmurtry mcmurtry yeah mcmurtry larry mcmurtry yes what in the sun have you seen him play live james i've got a couple of his cds james mcmurtry he's good he was in little rock about two years ago my daughter i was going to go see him it came it's too late for us so i gave my daughter the tickets and and they saw him he was in i guess juanita's a couple years ago yeah yeah i think that i think michael b went saw him james mcmurtry's good yeah um yeah, you you got all sorts of cool music books and a, an amazing vinyl collection. Mm -hmm. um, I still buy vinyl. I go to flea markets and yeah. uh, yard sales. If I see something I like, I'll get it. I did you make it all the way through your collection? No, I did not. I moved. I made it to uh, the Rolling Stones uh, alphabetically. And I've got something wrong with my receiver now. I've got to get it fixed. Protection light comes on. Yeah, I think it's my speakers. I've got... 
I've got some uh, pretty good speakers. There's right. clips in those yeah. behind. So I, I've got to figure out what's going on. But I made it, uh, started my Rolling Stones. I got like 15 of those. So oh, wow. I just started on the R's. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, and you, you know, I was talking with my my buddy earlier today. Um, it's funny how some people be like, oh, I'm more of a, you know, Rolling Stones mm. and the Beatles or, or the Beatles mm. um, or more of a Zeppelin Floyd or a Zeppelin or a Pink Floyd. There's all this kind of division where people will kind of um, take jabs at the other band. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's the... Uh, I like it all. I do too, and I was thinking the other day that me being my age, I was born in 57, and I think I've had the good fortune of coming through life when there's probably some of the best music that's mm-hmm. ever going to be, maybe. Oh, I, sure. I got in, you know, Dylan when he started. I remember Dylan, and I remember the Rolling Stones when they first started. I was a kid in the 60s and a teenager in the 70s. So I got in on the funk music, Parliament, uh, George Clinton, mm-hmm. that bunch. That was always, that was interesting, too. Uh, unfortunately, I had to live through disco. That was a, that was unfortunate. It was a weird time. That, that was a really weird time, but we survived it. Neil Young and, even did like a disco thing, didn't he? Uh, yeah, he did. I forget the name of it, and I probably wanted to forget it, actually. Uh, it was weird. Yeah. Uh, Neil Young got into a lot of different things. He had kind of a big band orchestra there for a, while, a couple of albums. He went country one time, so he's pretty versatile. Several but, bands, too. But the Neil Young's a good example. Crosby, Stills, and Nash. I remember when all those guys started out, and... Um, and that's good. That's good. I came along at a good time. Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young played at the original Woodstock. They did. Correct? Yeah. They did. I've got that album, actually, uh, one of the albums at Woodstock. But well, a lot Neil, of, yeah, Neil Young was pissed about that show for some reason. I can't. Well, they. I think they wanted to be somewhere else. I think there was another festival the same weekend, and um, I think in California, if I'm not mistaken, he he wanted the band to go out there, and it was a small, small venue, but they talked him into going to. Uh, uh, Massacre's Farm, uh, yeah, 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 and uh, and the rest is history, so to speak. Oh wow, yeah, and that was an amazing. Uh, I've seen that with that performance. Yeah, I remember Woodstock. I remember uh, Massacre's Farm. I, was, uh, I remember when that happened. It was the same year, if I'm not mistaken. Neil Armstrong landed on the moon, '69. It was. Uh, I think we lost a couple of. I, I was thinking Janis Joplin and Hendrix both may have died the same year or something. Or I think about, that's I, right. I, I may be wrong on that, but. It was within a couple of They years. were the same age, if, if yeah, nothing else, were so. they? Yeah, I think so. I think so. And that's one of the tragedies that people my age, we also saw, unfortunately, a lot of musicians um, burn out too early, uh, died on drug overdoses and and uh, uh, untimely demise, you know. And that's, it was, you know, it just, it's just part of it, you know. People just get caught up, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, and the 60s were... You know, it was really interesting. I was telling my class the other day, you know, nowadays you can legally go buy pot. I remember as a teenager riding around in a car knowing if you got pulled over, you're facing a felony. Oh, like yeah. Just a, like now a I'm going to whip my medical card out. Like a joint's worth or something. I remember living in that backdrop of fear back in the 70s. Mm-hmm. And luckily nobody got busted. And a lot of times the police would, just, you know, just tell you to go home or whatever. But you also knew of people who, who got really caught up and face you know mandatory minimums and stuff where things mm. by today's standards would be laughable but you know you have to grow and you have to grow with society and that's what that's what we do as we age and and um it's been a fun ride so far and but part of that fun is is uh, attributable to the good music we had mm-hmm. and, uh, th- that that makes everything a little bit better i think so yeah, I was jamming, um, you know, I, I somewhat recently got all of the Beatles mm-hmm. on vinyl. Mm-hmm. 
And that's one thing that's cool about vinyl. Like, I have no desire to collect any more CDs. Mm -hmm. They just scratch up or wear out. Uh, But vinyl, um, more durable. But I really like collecting, like, my favorite bands. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, when I go to concerts now, there's always an option, usually, to buy vinyl. Well, the good thing about vinyl is you have more for your money. You buy a CD, spend $15, you get a plastic case, eighth-inch thick, this big. With mm-hmm. vinyl, you sometimes get a double album or even a single album. You can open them up and have pictures of your artist there. Sometimes they have the music in the sleeve where you can know the words. And you just get more for your money with it, with an mm-hmm. album. And albums make good fans. You know, you can use an album for a number of different things. You know? Chorus even. Yeah, we have a, a turntable at home now. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so Cora's got three vinyls yeah. from like so yeah. we we at home are gonna collect some of our mutual favorite bands. Um, so she snagged a couple of uh, records from from a band that we really like, and uh, then I bought her one the other day from one of her favorite bands that I, I also like enjoy listening to. But um, so when I I was a uh, couple of the albums I bought, he just put them out. Apparently they didn't even have priced, and and he's like, "Why don't you go down the hall of records while I check the price on these?" And um, do you go down that hall every time you go? To... Uh, sometimes I do. Oh, yeah. man, yeah. it is. It's narrow, and if there's another person, I know. You, have to, you have to get close. But uh, it, it, when me. at the end it says, this is what 40,000 records looks like. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. Which, uh, but, man, uh, I can't remember. Uh, maybe that was when I got all the panic that uh, he had in stock. I remember you... Um, I will always remember I was, at, I was in the National Guard early in my life, and I was at Camp Robinson one summer, and we had an evening off, so me and this guy from Syracuse, New York, um, he was a record guy, and we went in there on our on, in the evening, and that guy spent a great deal of money. This would have been back in the late 70s. He left. In fact, he got a uh, bill to ship him to Syracuse because he bought so many he couldn't take them with him. But to, to uh, go into a record store like that is, is really impressive. I do like going and checking out. Um, we've been at a couple of concerts out of state and gone to like a vinyl store. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, um, right down there on Beale Street. Yes. There's a pretty cool uh, record shop and we're, mm-hmm. that's where we're seeing Panic. Yeah. Uh, have you had, um, i just been really into it and I really don't, I'm not super into barbecue, but I'll eat it, you know, mm-hmm. I'll pull pork, but I don't eat it a lot. Um, and I really don't eat ribs, but the ribs, if they're extraordinary, I will. But B.B. King's Man. has some amazing ribs. I've dude. been in there to listen to a band, but I've never... We were listening to a band in there when we were in there. Yeah. And um, it it was super funny. This uh, The guy, I can't remember the name. I gave the CD to my carpenter because he came over and was like, you want a CD? <laughs> and I bought one from him for 20 bucks. But um, somebody came up it like between songs and he's talking and uh the bassist was the bassist from Hal Green. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh from from his band. But somebody put a 20 in the tip jar. He goes, "Oh, a 20 in the tip jar. Thank you. Only seven more 20s to go." <laughs> or something like that. It, it was it was a super funny joke, but he he was just like like some like higher number of like, "Come on, guys." Like yeah, Al Green is actually from over Forest City. He's an Arkansas guy. Oh, that, well, I guess that makes mm-hmm. a little sense. But he, he lives in Memphis. I think he's a, a minister of a church in Memphis. If I'm wow. not mistaken. So, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, he was big in the 70s. Al Green was. Uh, you know, what, and, and one thing about, you know, I keep going back to the music of, of my uh, cohort group. There were just some good 
Um, and, and we listen to a lot like the Isley Brothers. A lot of people don't realize the Isley Brothers go back to the late 60s, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken, maybe even to the mid-60s. So you had, um, you, know, you know, a lot of good music back then. And the music of today is good, too. It, it is. It's just different. Mm-hmm. It's different. And, and I think, um, you know, we, we, we find what we look for. And if you look for good music, you'll find it. You know, and that's that's nothing that's changed, I guess. Have you listened to Billy Strings very much? I know who he is. We were seeing him and uh, was for the on our wedding anniversary, the the fifteenth, coming up, October. Yeah, uh, Oklahoma City. Mm-hmm. But man, he has uh, he set in with everybody. Or like mm-hmm. both times uh, we've seen him, um, he set in with Panic. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm excited to see him, but he has that flat picker style. Yeah, that, um, that Doc Watson guy. Yeah, oh, he is an extraordinary. But yeah, you know, I'm I'm really uh, glad I got to see Doc Watson. I saw him either twice or three times. I think I've seen him three times, but I'm not. I know I've seen him at least twice. What are you know just off the top of your head some of the greatest concerts <clears throat> you've ever been to? Well, I think the best concert I ever went to, all things considered, was also my first one I ever went to, and that was Chicago. Oh, nice. Chicago had just come out with um, the song Harry Truman, uh, America Needs You, Harry Truman. Uh, they were a great band, but that was also the first one. Uh, you know, one thing, Brian, that has changed through the years, when I was a young man and late teens, there were a lot of outdoor concerts. You'd go to the Cotton Bowl in Texas mm-hmm. for the Texas Jam. Uh, you'd have Sedalia up in Missouri, uh, just kind of a mini Woodstock. Back then, concerts were quite often held outdoors, and you'd have 10 bands. You'd see everybody. I remember one time I saw, uh, I was in Shreveport, I guess it was, and saw like Black Oak, Arkansas, uh, Tony Joe White. Uh, I think Fleetwood Mac was there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blue Oyster Cult, I think, was nice. there. Just a bunch of different bands. Shreveport does have um, some entertainment coming they through. They do. Do they yeah. have a casino? Casino, they do. They, do. Yeah. they got the casinos, uh, probably in late '80s, mid to late mm-hmm. '80s. Uh, when I was a young young man going to Shreveport and Bossier, uh, they did not have the casinos then. But we'd go to ban- uh, gr- um, venues like uh, sh- uh, the uh, Rally in the Alley, the Shade Tree, all down on the river. Uh, Shreveport always did have very good music, and people would duck in there all the time. Mm-hmm. Little Rock has a lot of good people coming in and out, and it's amazing how a lot of people will come in and out, and we don't even know they're there. If you don't get the uh, publications or see it on a flyer somewhere, people can come and go. And I know. And, I have to kind of remind myself to <clears> check <throat> the local venues. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and there's uh, several really good venues in Arkansas now. Uh, so we got the Amp. Mm-hmm. I remember when there was no Amp. Yeah, and I've seen Panic. Amp. The first two times I saw Panic mm-hmm. there. Robert Earl Keane is the guy. So oh, yeah. He came yeah. and I went to yeah. see him back um a couple months back, Robert Earl King. Nice. And he was one of those underappreciated guys. Where did he play at? Little he Rock? played at Robinson. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it was a good show. And, um, you know, I read on Facebook like four days later his tour bus caught on fire. And he's, he's winding down his career. This is supposedly his last tour. Mm. And his tour bus caught on fire. He got the guitars out, I think, and everybody was safe. But, yeah, but Robert Earl King is a guy who doesn't get the credit he deserves like John Prine and mm-hmm. I cut you off I'm sorry no 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 well, this is how it I works have to say this things. is how it works I have to say things when I think about it or it skips my uh, mind no this is how it works uh, but this... going back to the best concert I'll tell you um, I don't know if I should tell people this but a Kiss was a good show nah, nice. <laughs> yeah Kiss I could see that show. it was um, it was a good show I saw them and I believe Bob Seger Bob Seger was a good one Bob yeah, but we saw show. Bob Seger in mm-hmm. Tulsa. We took Cora's dad probably <clears throat> mm, 
three years ago. Mm. He put us on a good show. It, it was. Um, I was uh, I was glad I got to go see him mm. for sure. You know, I did not go see Tom Petty. I didn't either. I never saw. Tom and Petty. I regretted that. I never. Um, I never connected a whole lot with him. He was always. He was around, and I liked him, but I was always listening to other people. You know, I'd listen. I just didn't listen to a lot. I didn't listen to a lot of the Beatles. My brother loved the Beatles. I just mm. never. It's interesting how we connect with certain with certain musicians and certain sounds. And like um, we were, you and I were talking bass playing the other day. You know, um, 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 I can't. Uh, John McVie of Fleetwood Mac is a good is a good bass mm-hmm. player. I'm a huge fan yeah. of uh, Lindsey Buckingham. Yes, he's a he's an underappreciated guitarist, I think. And, did just really use he's one of um three guitarists i really like that do not play with a pick Hmm. yeah like uh first i thought that was i heard Lindsey buckingham didn't play with a pick and i was like oh that's really interesting um but then come to find out like several Hmm. several guitar players don't uh even electric like guitar players just shredding um this is band uh uh, winery dogs Hmm. They're a super group. It's the drummer from Dream Theater. The one of the guys, uh, the bass player is the bass player from Mr. Big. Mm. He is, oh man, he shreds. What is his name? Mr. Big. Uh, well, the name, the that band that he was in in the eighties, okay. which Mr. Big, they mm. they had some good stuff. Billy Sheehan's his name. Okay. Yeah. So let me ask you, Brian. Uh, yeah. What's the best concert you ever attended? Oh, you know. I will say the first uh, first time I saw Panic and the second, both times in Arkansas, I mentioned uh, that a second ago, but those were some of the best. Um, and I've seen, I'm just going to be like my 60th time to see them or some, something crazy. Is there a band that, that you like, but you wouldn't want anybody to know you like them? I'll give you an example. I don't tell many people this, but I liked uh, the Bee Gees. Okay, uh, I said it. I said it. Hey, I, 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 no criticism. I'm not here. running for public office. I will so. say this, you know. Um, but I, I did like the Bee Gees. I just didn't tell anybody. The other day, Core and I saw like, you know, there's bands from like when I was in high school, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so, um, one band that I listened to in high school and after high school, and haven't really listened to any of their newer stuff, but uh, Dashboard Confessional. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've had some hits over the years, but they're not like super widely known, but have a, a fan following yeah. of which I am in, in the fan base. But um, we went and saw them and that's, I've seen, I've seen them play several times. That was maybe the fifth total time Cor and I uh, saw them a while back too. But um, that is a band that like uh, most people, it's just kind of obscure or that would be kind of labeled as emo mm-hmm. music. Mm-hmm. Um, and we saw him play with this other guy who used to be in this kind of, he's an amazing piano player, dude. He's 40 now, but he was in the early 2000s. I'm talking like when I was in junior high, he was like 18, 19 years old, and he was in this band called Something Corporate, Andrew McMahon. And um, now he's out just kind of playing all the songs from his whole career, um, and it's amazing. You know, one thing I've always listened to is... Um... And one constant in my life has been smooth jazz. You do. You always got jazz going yeah, in your I office. I'd be coming over to get a Reese's, uh, <laughs> and, and I hear it. I know? have it playing all the time. Yeah. I never get tired of smooth jazz. I, I, uh, yeah, I, I wish I could work for a radio station. That's all they played is smooth jazz. Mm-hmm. And yeah. It never goes out of fashion, kind of like Frank Sinatra. You know, if you'll think about it, Frank Sinatra goes with everything. I don't think he ever goes out of style. I mean, he's good. You could probably play him at a funeral and probably be okay. You know, uh, 
he's just uh, very yeah, versatile. And, he, uh, he was fighting at 47, I believe. Uh, Frank Sinatra? Wow. Yeah, that's, it's like his favorite uh, yeah, he's good. performer. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. If you like him, if you like him. I never got super into his stuff, but um, I mean, he's he is this smooth listen, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. um, do enjoy uh, always ha like this background music. That's it's, like that's what's cool about jazz. It's yeah. just kind of, uh, and that that's why I like uh, it too. Some people might find it distracting, but uh, at Thurman and I, we're kind of we're gonna go through and listen to like all of Pink Floyd stuff, yeah. and yeah. Um, and just kind of listen to it and talk about it on the podcast music episodes. Pink Floyd was. Uh, I was a teenager when they came out. It was it really became popular in the 72, 73 time frame. I think Dark Side of the Moon was 74, 75. I should mm -hmm. know. But, hey, you want to? I got some Roger Waters tickets to get rid of. Yeah, in Dallas, you should yeah, get them. I'll, yeah. I'll give you a major deal. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah. I, um, it is. Uh, talk to Kathy. I, I will. I, I'm not going to say no. Oct I think it's October seventh or eighth in Dallas. Yeah, we have a lot going on with uh, the baby showers and. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So See, I, same for October's a slam month for yeah. us. Where it's our wedding anniversary. A couple other things going on. So. Pink Floyd was unlike anything anybody heard. Pink Floyd was. You know, now we can look at Pink Floyd and say, well, there's also the Moody Blues a little bit, and there was a little blue oyster cult or whatever it kind of sound maybe similar but i can tell you being there when they came out nothing sounded like pink floyd it was just like a different universe and and for uh, hippies and and for the uh, hip crowd uh, who were tired of listening to uh, you know whatever is being played um, pink floyd was a fresh uh, mm -hmm. alternative and it uh, it was great for people looking for a different type of music to listen to, and and it was just really, uh, it was just you had to get used to hearing these long songs of instrumentals, and it was very soothing for the '70s. I can tell you that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know uh, when we saw Panic play in Huntsville, they they're known for having like little jams between songs, or you know after at the end of a song, or they they do a lot of weird stuff. But man, they were, they had this one jam on night two that was, it, they sounded like, it's like Pink Floyd. I mean, I've seen, well, I've seen Roger Waters twice. Mm -hmm. And we bought tickets to see him for this Dallas show before COVID even mm -hmm. hit, dude. Mm -hmm. um, and it's been rescheduled like three times and it, this is like the worst possible yeah. weekend. I understand, I understand. Well, hopefully you can get rid of the tickets. Hopefully. Yeah, it's um, it's creeping close. We might just, uh, we might eat it, but that's fine. Mm -hmm. Not that big of a deal. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because that's what is that? Dallas is still about five hours for you. It's right? about, uh, well, it's, it's three from, if I remember right, from Texarkana. And we lived in Texarkana. So it's about, yeah, it's about, it's about five, mm -hmm. five hours. Did you ever see The Dead when you were coming? I never out? did. Uh, the Dead were always, it was, they were a group that not many people in South Arkansas listened to. They were popular on the West Coast. Mm -hmm. You had your deadheads. But, you know, being from South Arkansas, rural Arkansas, not many people listen to it. Now, we listen to Pink Floyd. We listen to um, uh, Elton John, but we didn't listen to Not many people listen to the Grateful Dead. Uh, and um, that's probably uh, not good. I, I think we should have. And I, I wish somebody would have made us listen to it, played it on the amplifiers at school or something. But uh, I just never listened to the Dead. But, you know, I, I know they're good. And, and I just, um, yeah. Uh, no, I didn't listen to them in shorts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I always saw the Dead as more of a country swing band. They sounded country to me. They do kind of have yeah. a country feel. Yeah. They're hard to classify. They're yeah. really, really 
they're a jam band. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, like, Billy Strings is bluegrass, but he's got that jam band vibe also. Um, but, yeah, that's... Uh, Grateful Dead's interesting. I guess my favorite band, if I have a favorite, would be probably be the Allman Brothers. Oh, okay. Brothers. So check this out. When we're seeing Panic next week, what is the, pian the piano player's name? Do you remember? Um, I just looked it up. I already forgot it. Okay, I can't think of it. Um, well, he's sitting in with them. Wow. And last time he sat in with them, it's been a while, mm -hmm. they played Jessica. Wow. Oh. Jessica's the ultimate travel song. You know, that's a mm -hmm. great song. It's like 17 minutes long or something, but... It's a great tune, really good tune. And uh, I, I picked up a Dickie couple Bears, of really. Dicky, but that's mm -hmm. I picked up a couple of his records from his solo stuff after he left the Allman Brothers. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah, Dicky Betts and um, Old Southern or yeah. something like that. Mm -hmm. um, they but, had a they had a drummer. He only had one name, I think, Jerule or something like that. Jerule or Jamal or something, but. He uh, wore a band uh, a beret a lot of the times. So. Mm -hmm. The Allman Brothers are just a good what you call Southern rock band. Yeah, Cora, she really likes they, them. I like them too. But they they, they and Leonard Skinner were the Southern Marshall Tucker. Uh, even though I think they were from North Carolina, but that counts in the South, I guess. For sure. But uh, you know, you Allman Brothers and um, and uh, Leonard Skinner and ZZ Top, they had their Texas sound. But it's just again, I know I, I said it before, but it's, it was a great time to to um, be exposed to music and to grow up the 70s were. Mm -hmm. it was, I tell my classes all the time that uh, the 70s were great and there's no fun left for you all because we had it all back in the 70s. There's none left, we use it all up, so. Yeah, so, uh, right, now we're just staring at our phones. Yeah, you know, that's that's something that, again, the cohort effect, I just, uh, I, uh, I don't know a lot about technology and me being a teacher in a college, I realize that I'm probably getting out. I'm going to work another year or so full-time maybe. But anyway, I'm winding down my teaching career. And it's a good thing because people of my age, either we learn technology or we get left behind. I know enough to get by. And, I, you know, I, I, can, I can get by. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a cohort effect that, that, that I need to think about and people my age need to think about in terms of, of the use of technology and the younger crowd i don't understand how people can be on the phone all the time take it to the bed with them and and everything but i'm not a young man you know mm -hmm. people today were raised with phones it's just part of it's an extension of their body and and i understand that um, i don't well i i accept that i don't understand it but i accept it and i was telling somebody the other day like tattoos tattoos when i was growing up the only people who had tattoos were prisoners uh, bikers or Navy guys. And now it's very commonplace for people to have multiple tattoos. Uh, oh, yeah, Cora, yeah, my yeah, wife. Yeah. Uh, she's my got, wife has one. Yeah. Yeah. And I, my both daughters have one. She's got several. She's going to end mm -hmm. up having a whole sleeve. Yeah, yeah, that's um, that's the uh, that, that's something that has changed through the years. And, and people of my of my uh, cohort effect and cohort group, we just we understand it, and we um, we 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 have grown up trying to understand things, and and, um, and and one thing, I'm 65, and people my age, we served as a bridge between generations. I mean, we came out of the 60s, and I, we remember the riots and the uh, civil unrest mm -hmm. in Vietnam. So I like to think that people my age, we helped bridge our society from that tumultuous time to a more peaceful time in the 70s and the 80s. And every decade has its problems. I'm not saying they don't. But um, I feel fortunate to have come through life at a time when, 
but I got to see so much before and after and and uh, experience what I did by again being a teenager in the 70s and mm-hmm. and uh, of course I love that I love being where I am today research shows us that the middle-aged to older crowd is the happiest you know people who report being happier are usually from 45 to about 70 and even beyond so so uh, you know, go growing old is a privilege. It's not a right; it's a privilege. Uh, as we grow older, and I've, I've outlived three and four best friends. You know, and it happens. You know, we lose people along the way, but it's a great ride. And I, uh, you know, I'm always been an optimistic person by nature. And and again, going back, I think the things I experienced back when I was a young man in the '70s helped prepare me for, you know, COVID to me is no big deal. You know, big. It's just not. I. It's just. It's just. You get used to things. Right? I remember setting out uh, in your sort of gardening shed mm-hmm. when everything is just going on, and you were like, oh, I don't know, man. <laughs> and I was like, man, they were saying this on the mm-hmm. news, and I was like, right when things like really no one knew what was going on. Yes. I don't think you know, like we moved. We did a bunch of remodeling from January to March, but we moved in here like three weeks before the shutdowns mm. into this mm. uh, new building. And um, I remember that. Yeah, yeah it's, it was just um, a crazy time because mm-hmm. as soon as we moved, it's like, oh, yeah, close mm. your business. But, and, you know, here here we are three years later, and we're doing fine. I mean, mm-hmm. well, we overcame that. and Yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it'll be something else in the next decade. It is coming up on three years. You mean the next election cycle. <laughs> Yeah, you know, I don't... Because uh, that's, uh, that's what I'm worried about. That's ticking up and, like, all of the civil unrest that we had mm-hmm. from last time, mm-hmm. along with the, mm-hmm. the COVID. Yeah. yeah. I just, you know, I and I'm probably... I don't know that I'm correct in doing this, but I have basically backed off from television. I don't watch TV. I don't, I don't watch, watch the news, news a whole lot. Uh, yeah. Or at all, really. Mm-hmm. I will read and research, but... Um, I don't. I don't have cable. I hadn't yeah. had cable in like a decade. Yeah. I don't. I don't engage in politics. I don't. I try not to talk politics with people, uh, because after all, I remember when JFK got shot, and I remember LBJ, and who did a really good job considering what he had to work with, and then Nixon, and uh, the, uh, the iconic Nixon flashing his fingers at that. To me, that was uh, very comical, very funny. It's a, It's etched in my memory of him. You know, giving the peace sign when he gets on the helicopter and flies off. Did he say? Didn't he say, "I am not a crook"? He said that he is yeah. known to say that, and I think he said something. Uh, You're not going to have Dick Nixon to kick around anymore. And it was just funny stuff, you know. And people were getting worked up about it, and a lot of us were just laughing at it, you know. And and uh, po- political corruption by today's standards, it is laughable. But it, it, at the time, it was a hot deal, you know. And then we had Reagan and uh, Jimmy Carter, who was. He was a good man, uh, you know, and he was a good president. He did things with uh, foreign policy, the Middle East, the Mideast Accord, or uh, with uh, with the Israelis and and uh, that part of the world. He was just remarkable in that. Uh, but anyway, yeah. So I guess what I'm saying is, I don't know that one thing experience teaches us is that you know, no matter how much things change, they stay the same. And uh, so people my age were used to seeing stuff and. And you talk about the elections. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, you know, it's, it makes a difference. It, the the trickle down effect, though, it takes a while, I think. And and uh, you know, I just don't get. Uh, I guess I anyway. I'm, I don't want to sound nostalgic or anything, but we, mm-hmm. as we age, we just look at things differently. 
Yeah, it's um, you know, it is interesting. Our last, uh, you know, two or three elections have been um, have been real interesting. They've been historic. Yeah, been historic. Barack Obama being elected, and um, yeah, you know, when I went to bed the night of the um, when President Trump was elected, I went to bed the night before. I went to bed on election night, just knowing. Hillary Clinton will be the president the next morning. I, it was, if I was a betting man, I'd have bet everything I owned that she'd be president. And I was okay with it. Hey, we're going to have the first female president. Then I woke up the next morning, went to work, and I couldn't believe that uh, Donald Trump won the election. And See, and, that was the same thing for me on the Biden election. Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe he lost. And I was not a Trump supporter and didn't vote for him, but wasn't a Biden supporter either, mm-hmm. but I was so blown away because of the cult following that he mm-hmm. has. It's a, it's unique. Well, it's interesting. I think a lot of, I can, I can, I don't, I can see people's views. I mean, I can, I can, I can see the right wing's view and I can see the left's view. Uh, I can see it both ways and there's, there's merit in both. Um, uh, but, um, people just have to do what they think is right. And, and getting to vote is a privilege. You know, if you think about it, not everybody gets to. Not everybody, not everybody gets to. I was I was sweating yesterday. I was laying salt in my yard, sweating like a crazy guy, overtired. And I got to thinking, you know, I get to lay sod. A lot of people don't get the opportunity. I know people who are in a, in a uh, hospital bed at home on total care. They would love to be able to lay sod, you know. So the things I complain about having to do, this is a matter of a lot of first world problems. I get to do it. I get yeah. to lay saw. I get to mow my yard. I get to uh, complain about things. You know. So you know. So here's our jam again. I'm in. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. That's the Stephen Stills is hard to beat. Yeah. He's hard to beat. Wow. Yeah. I don't know if they they put some of their stuff. Maybe maybe just Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Uh, but you know all of that stuff got pulled from like Spotify, mm-hmm. which is um, like a major audio. Uh, it's like I listen to all my audio uh, yeah. typically. It's a digital mm-hmm. uh, on Spotify. You know I don't understand. I can understand musicians feeling like they're not getting their fair share. If you you know, and I remember musicians like John Mellencamp and Van Morrison's bad about it. In their music, they'll take stabs at the record industry and the music mm. business. It's always been a little. Did you uh, hear why Neil Young took his um, it, it, disagreement about some Joe Rogan's podcast? That's right. Yeah, yeah that's right. things that that's people right. Joe Rogan was having on um, that were offering dissenting views on this, that, and mm-hmm. the other, mm-hmm. mostly the pandemic. Yeah, but um, yeah, now we can't listen to the the medley anymore. anymore. Uh, Cora was so sad, so she bought the song on uh, Amazon or something so she can still listen to it in her car. You know, it's, uh, I don't understand the politics of that or the business end of, of the music industry. Um, but, you know, it's, I'm assuming it's probably like the, the boxing game. It's, 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 you got good and bad folks and people trying to rip people off. Mm-hmm. And, and I was reading a book the other day uh, recently about Jim Croce and how he never made any money because his record company basically kept all his money and gave him an allowance to barely live on. And, and oh. how he was shortchanged his whole, most of his career. And he had to look at the music he wrote. And so I guess, you know, it's like anything else. It's got his oh, and as the, as the industry changes, you know, with like these Spotify and digital mm-hmm. platforms and stuff, it's like you're negotiating contracts in these new markets that you know nothing about. Like mm-hmm. somewhat recently, um, Scarlett Johansson sued Disney or someone, 
because she was part of her contract was that she would receive a percentage of a theatrical release. Mm-hmm. But I think they only released it on Disney Plus or like maybe Disney Plus and HBO Max or something like that. So that's something else that's changed. Uh, you know, I do enjoy going to the movies and mm-hmm. I actually enjoyed during the pandemic. The movies were showing like all because no movies were coming out. Mm-hmm. We're showing all of these older films like Jaws and you know, Christmas <laughs> Vacation and all the you know classics, mm-hmm. um, all the Star Wars and just different. I would love that. You know, I like going to the theaters. I enjoy watching movies, mm-hmm. um, but it is weird how that's that industry also we are seeing a change in that industry. You know, and we have to, on the flip side of that, you know, the technology is much better now. When I was going to movies, you go, to, you know, drive, drive through, drive up, drive in movies. And the quality back then of movies in the theaters was nothing compared to the way it is now. The technology has improved media so much. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Made a sound. Is well, so just what better. I'm able to do with this, this podcast, yes, man. Yes. This, you know, I started off just having, which I don't even have that in camera going. What I'm going to do is queue it up. So if we ever want to look at anything on the web, I'll pull it up on this TV. Wow. This is impressive. With a, like a, a hot key. Mm-hmm. I'll program a key. So if I hit it, it'll just pull it up and it'll cue that camera to be on us. Mm-hmm. I've done some episodes where it rotates between the three. Yeah. But if I, I mean, I never thought I would be engineering automatic camera switches mm-hmm. and writing code for it. I can tell you, I've worked at radio stations uh, in the early 80s, late 70s when I was in college, and uh, you have better equipment than any radio stations had back then. Well, just what you can do. I mean, like my little camera switcher, you know, I had Billy Reader on. He's a professor of, uh, like, runs the grad program for communications, Mm -hmm. teaches classes on social media, and, like, as soon as he sat down, he goes, how were you able to do your camera switches like that? And this I'm like, aggressive. yeah, I mean, really, so the I've got this little black magic switcher, and it, it will do that. It will switch up to four cameras, and it was 300 bucks. Hmm. But, like, when I first started the podcast, something like that would have been three grand. Yes. Like, the stuff I was looking at was three grand. Um, but that's, a, that's super affordable. Yes. And um, that was another thing I think the pandemic brought is um, stuff became cheaper, yes. um, like uh, t- technological uh, things that made things easier you know, became uh, a little more affordable. Yeah, yeah. Well, you have a setup very nice. Anyway. Thanks, man. Yeah. But, yeah, that's uh, that, that's part of the, we were talking about this, I think, before we started recording. That's kind of the bottleneck is figuring out all the recording, figuring out, you know, mm-hmm. how to route the sound so you don't uh, accidentally record. Some, you know, you, sometimes I want to monitor things but not record them. Mm-hmm. And um, that's always, you know, some, something to work around because you'll get copyrights on the if you upload them certain places yeah yeah. i can see yeah yeah it's impressive brother yeah thanks man um you saw dylan a few times did you not i've seen him twice yeah Mm -hmm. you've seen him since we known each other no okay because he he played somewhat recently did you he did i didn't get to see him i saw last time i saw him was at the old ray winter field in little rock baseball stadium okay yeah he was in willie nelson willie 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 just played the other night at the amp that's, Kobe a, that's impressive that's because he's you know he's what 89 or something 88 or yes. 89 or something yeah Willie Nelson and the family yes um, his sister just passed not too long ago oh, man. she played piano for him forever um, but um, yeah Dylan's you know Dylan's good if 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 you didn't know his music, you could not understand what he says. He's real nasal, mm-hmm. and he is not a great singer per se. Uh, 
but he's always got a great band, very good band all the time. Did you get to see um, the band? No, I never saw the band. Yeah, I never saw amazing. them. I regret that. They were uh, dissolved by the time I was able to make enough money to go to concerts. Man, you know, we're t- I, don't, I don't remember if we were talking about Little Feet before or after uh, we started recording, but um, they're playing somewhere around, but it's like one original member or yeah. something like that. There's an Arkansas connection. One of those guys, I think, I don't know if it's Fred Tackett or somebody in that band, I think is either from Hot Springs or somewhere in Arkansas. I think one of the band members are, but Little Feet was a great band that, Unfortunately, Lowell George apparently just got into too much drugs and stuff. And did he die of an overdose? He did. He mm. did. Uh, well, I think it was listed as a heart attack, but he had a significant uh, drug Man, issue. that's what derailed Led Zeppelin, too, uh, with Bonham. It's taken a lot of them. It, it has. It's taken the, a lot with the Almond Brothers, uh, which that wasn't drugs with um, Greg Almond. Mm-hmm. He had a motorcycle accident. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, uh, talking about Kiss earlier, uh, um, Ace Fraley, you know, he had a significant drug problem. In fact, he, uh, they, I don't know if they kicked him out of the band, but I think he left under duress or something. So, mm-hmm. and, and luckily for him, he's, it's my understanding, he's sober now and and uh, and doing well. So, yeah, it's amazing what sobriety will do for some of these musicians. You know, they play, they play loaded all the time. And Stevie Ray Vaughan would be a good example of that, Brian. How. Yeah, he was always great, but in in my opinion, he was so much better once he got sober. Yeah, that's what um, really a great. I, I read something about uh, Eric Clapton was talking about that in an interview. Eric Clapton got clean. Yeah, but he's talking about Steve Ray Vaughan, like in the, they were on tour together, hmm. um, and Clapton apparently almost got in a helicopter. That, wow, they crashed wow. right. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's. Uh, did you ever see Steve Ray Vaughan? I did not. I did or Clapton. Not. I've seen Clapton. Oh, wow. I've seen Clapton. Oh, um, so we, we've talked about Steve Winwood in mm-hmm. the past. I really enjoy He's a um, musician. That, that song he does to Clapton, Find My Way Home. Mm-hmm. Panic will cover that He one. started out with way back when he was a teenager with the uh, John Spencer Blues Band, I think it was. I and mean, he played with, I think, the Traffic. Bird, Traffic. Traffic was a great oh, band. Yeah. They were Dave Mason, Jim Capaldi. I need to get some traffic vinyl, man. I don't even know what I'm doing. They are great. I've got three or four of theirs. Welcome to the Canteen is a great album. Uh, That's the first one I ever got, and I wore that thing out, man. Playing, I I listened to it an awful lot. But Traffic is a good. I tell you another good band. And in fact, I think did I not get you a Manassas? Yeah. Manassas was a great band. Mm -hmm. That was an all-star band put together by Stephen Stills. That was Chris Hillman. I mean, I'm trying to think of some people in that band. Uh, if I wasn't trying to think of them, I could, but I can see their faces. But Manassas only put out two albums. The first one was the one I got you. Mm-hmm. The second one was after they were infighting, about to go their separate ways, so they went into the studio and just put out a contractually obligated album. And that was the second Manassas album. But that first, Fuzzy Samuels, I forget who all was on there, but that was an all-star band. Um, that that Stephen Stills put together, Manassas, and that mm-hmm. uh, top, 10, great album. top ten albums. I'd probably that have to be one of my top tens. That, yeah, that Manassas album. Yeah, man, uh, it is a good one, mm-hmm. indeed. 
Man, so yeah, that's uh, you've turned me on to some good stuff. You got one or two little feats as well, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. those are like that that earlier like seventies little feet mm-hmm. is uh, like mid to late seventies seems to be the sweet spot for that. Yeah, yeah, no, and little feet attracted a lot of other musicians. Uh, Linda Ronstadt would sing with them. Emily Harris would sing with them. Bonnie Raitt would sing with Little Feet. So they, um, it was just a great, great stuff, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah a great, um, great time to listen to music and to go to concerts and to experience the seventies. And they, it was, it's all good. Even today's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to romanticize the past unduly. You know, we had our problems then too. But today's, you know, it's a great time to be alive now. It is. Two thousand twenty-two yeah. is a great time. So. How long were you in the Guard? I was in the Guard nine years, and then I was in the Army Reserve 24. And you never got deployed? Never did. That's, never, am, that's amazing. It's amazing. It, it was amazing. That it all depends on what kind of unit you're in. Or, or his dad. Yeah, he got deployed when she was in high school or junior yeah. high, actually, I think it was. Um, I've been brother-in-law. all over the U.S., but I've never been abroad. Never yeah. been abroad. I was Which in I a, think that's what the National Guard, yeah, go all over the country, be yeah. you know, serve the nation here. Um, and then, like, our, our, you know, Army and, um, which, you know, Army National Guard, I know it's a branch, but, uh, like, you know, the Marines and the Navy and the and the Army, uh, you know, it seems like those would be the branches that would be more international. It's real interesting, too. I, I got to experience life through the lens of the military as well. I joined the Army in March of 75, Vietnam. I think they lifted those Marines off the embassy roof, like, in April or May of 75. Mm-hmm. So I joined in 75. And back then, I joined, well, I joined the National Guard. What I didn't know at the time was the National Guard was looked down upon by the regular army because people joined the Guard to keep from getting drafted. So you had these army active duty guys, who some of whom had been drafted. They didn't have a choice. Then you had these Guard guys coming in, mixing with them, and they all, some of them joined the Guard to keep from being drafted. So mm-hmm. there was a lot of hostility and animosity between the two the branches that faded over time because you had a lot of the vietnam vets coming back and getting out and and having had enough of the military and i can understand why um and they'd get out and then the the military transitioned a great deal but uh, it was tough in the military in the mid-70s because you had a lot of guys coming back from nam they were angry nobody welcomed them back it was a sad sad atmosphere really it's not like it is today when we see a soldier in uniform at a restaurant we'll buy their meal or whatever you it's it's wild that. yeah how um which they were shunned a lot of times they were they were treated badly a lot there's you know you'd have I, I knew guys who served in vietnam that came back and you never knew they were ever in the army they never talked about being in the army they certainly would sometimes not tell anybody they went to Vietnam. What do you think the difference is, you know, because we've been in the Middle East mm-hmm. as long as we were in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. You know, 55 to 75 were the were the years on Vietnam for U.S. involvement. Um, yes. But, you know, uh, with uh, Iraq and Afghanistan and uh, that officially kind of coming to a close, but um, we did not see that. That what you're talking about, uh, yeah. you know, like the um, uh, core and I. Nine eleven, changed a lot. That is a great. Nine eleven. That is a great point. After nine eleven, uh, the military and the police and the fire departments were seen in higher esteem. But nine eleven was probably a demarcation line, in my opinion. That's an interesting point. And now you have people who are, and and rightfully so. 
Did you ever watch? Uh, you like Ken Burns documentaries? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You ever watch um, the Vietnam War sure, one? I did. Man, that uh, so it's been a couple of years now, but Cor and I were watching that. But the point where um, the vets are throwing their medals back, man, that's such yes, a powerful. That's scene. a tough one. That's it tough is. One. That yeah. is a very emotional scene. And then too, that have you ever read that book? Um, and they made a movie about it, but I didn't see the movie. Uh, Born on the Fourth of July. I've seen. Uh, I've seen no, but I've seen bits and pieces of the movie. And... I've I've read the book, um, and it's good. Uh, sad, but I th- he I want to believe he was. Uh, I think that he was at that event. Wow. Where the uh, medals were thrown over. So, and I've seen footage of that, just yeah. you know, in passing research Vietnam War. Yeah. It was a it was a dark side, you know, and and the uh, pullout in Afghanistan, recently people my age. It's Vietnam all over again. The, it, yeah, that's uh, that's why it's kind of like looking at the parallels with that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's there's interesting. A lot of similarities. Uh, there's no good way to look bad. There just is not. Uh, you, you, you know, it's just uh, it's just it was a mess. It was a mess, and there's no good way to get out of that mess. So, granted, I, you know, I I don't like the fact that we left all that equipment over there and looked bad getting out. It should have been transitioning, but. I'm not in charge of those decisions. I don't know what goes on behind closed doors. So I don't know, but I can tell you, pulling out of Afghanistan the way we did was a very bad look. However, people my age, we saw it in Vietnam. So this mm-hmm. is, we've seen it before. So I know I, there was some meme that was circulating um, like after the pandemic began. And it was um, talking about somebody who's born in like 1900, mm-hmm. like on the dot. It's like, well, you know, you're... Um, you're 14 years old, and it's World War One, mm-hmm. and uh, then there's the Spanish flu. It's the first epidemic that you lived through. Then uh, it just goes the Great Depression, World War Two, Vietnam. Like it just goes all the way through, like all, all Korea, all and not just wars either. You know, um, just uh, other catastrophes mm-hmm. in society mm-hmm. or, or politics of JFK being assassinated which Trey and I were talking about this, and I've heard. It's interesting. As a historian, I, I like um, I like knowing y- you remember that. Yes. I, I don't. I, I, I wasn't alive. Mm-hmm. But uh, you remark on uh, the, the hooves of the horse mm-hmm. on that. Uh, was it cobblestone or was it yeah. just pavement? It was, the, it was on Pennsylvania Avenue when the, uh, they were having JFK's funeral. And the sound of total silence while that single horse was pulling the uh, the caisson, the the, the uh, casket on the on the wagon, I can still hear the horse hooves uh, on the pavement. And mm-hmm. I was I was what uh, six years old, but I can still hear that. And I, I remember that just like it was yesterday. We know that long term memory is long term because it's emotional. Well, that was an emotional deal when when the president got shot. That was a, that was. Uh, that was something that we'll always remember. And I remember when Reagan got shot, I was working at a radio station in Magnolia. That guy that Reagan, shot him? John Hinckley Jr. I want to say he's out in like a recording artist now. He may be. He may be. And I, but I remember when that happened. So, um, yeah, you know, people, you know, you hear people get caught up in that the world's going to hell in a handbasket and that kind of thing. Uh, people have been saying that for a long time. You know what I tell people is... Um, as a historian, it's funny. I'm like, uh, but I, I didn't even, I make this up, but for all time, the world's been about the end. It has, it's sad. Like every culture and society ever is talking about the end times and like the worst case scenario. And I think it's, you know, um, just our tendency for 
preparedness. Mm -hmm. It's it's probably on a genetic level because we have had to compete so long for basics, food, shelter, Mm -hmm. that it's it's just ingrained. And there's fear. You know, people are afraid sometimes, and fear fear is not a good emotion. Jealousy is not. Fear is not. Anger is not. You know, those are bad emotions. You know, nobody handles anger well, really. Mm-hmm. Nobody handles jealousy and fear very well, really. So it's, it's uh, man, those those don't need to occupy a whole lot of space in your head. You need to get them out of there as soon as you can. They, they, they'll come by and they'll swing by, but you need to keep them moving uh, if you can. Yeah, for I sure. I, that's what I think. That's what I try to do. For sure. I had to do that earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, man, I was, I was trying to ship some stuff earlier for a friend of mine. He moved to D.C., and I, and I cleaned up some stuff out of his office and sent him some stuff. I went to the UPS shipping store, and they like, oh, our system's down. Oh, no. First, I was just like, yeah, just whatever it costs. Just I need to ship this to D.C. today. And they're like, kind of like trying to, well, it's going to be expensive. I'm like, I, I don't care. And, and uh, But then I, th- their system was down. So mm-hmm. I go to the post office. Guy, same thing. And I'm just like, oh, I just need to ship this. And they're like, oh, we can't take cards right now. Oh, so, no. and that takes score. I was like, "Hey, is our Wi-Fi working?" And it, and it was, mm-hmm. but uh, I guess probably that's the same thing with them. Yeah. Like they're, um, yeah. But we'll try it again later. Yeah. But yeah. I was kind of frustrated after the second spot, you know, because it had been like forty-five minutes. I was just like, kind of, you know, a little uh, anger emotion. Sure. I was just like, uh Well, there's a lot to, out there that can make us angry. You yeah, know? I know, and it's just like honestly, once I reflected on it, just kind of chilled and. Um, you know, just took a little break. Yeah. It was good. It's a choice we make. We choose to get angry. You know, nobody can, you know, nobody can take advantage of you unless you let them. Nobody can make you angry unless you let them. I try not to. I don't always do it. You know, I'm, I'm far from perfect, but I try not to let other people control my behavior. If somebody's tailgating me, well, they can either, um, you know, I, I'm not going to accelerate. I'm not going to slow down. I'm mm-hmm. not going to move over. They, they can. I'm not going to let them control. They're not going to bully me around. You know, I'm, you just... Yeah, I, I try to live by that creed. I try not to let other people control my behavior. And most of the time, I'm pretty good at it. I'm not perfect. I sometimes, you know, don't do well. But uh, I try to at least think of that a lot. Don't we all? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's it's a great time. You know, it's, it's great to be alive. And like I said earlier, we get to do things. A lot of people don't get to do things. So, yeah. So I'm, you know, I think there's a lot to be thankful for. We live in a great country. We we live in the great state of Arkansas and River Valley. What's Scenic like beauty. It? Oh yeah, it's not. I live in North Little Rock now, as you know, and and I, and, you know, it's it's nice over there too. So we live in a good. Cost of living is low in Arkansas, and it's just a good place. The more I travel, the more I like Arkansas. The mm-hmm. more I like being where I am. So, yeah. Yeah. Um. You know. Uh. Anything. So you said you're 65. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I'm 35, so you got 30 years on me. I got my Medicare card the other day. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, big deal. Yeah, big deal. Moving, on, moving on up. Yeah, Medicare Part D, man, yeah. prescription, yeah. Nice. <laughs> well, so, <laughs> you know, in, in your uh, years of living, any opportunities you wish you would have taken that you didn't? Yeah, a lot. I, I wish I would have. With regard to my military life, I kind of wish I'd have went the officer route. I was enlisted, and, you mm-hmm. know, and I got out as an E-8. But so what's what rank is Trey? Uh, E-8. He's an E-8. Okay. And looking back, I kind of wish I'd have gone the officer route. Other than, yeah, but that's, you know, I don't think about it a whole lot. I mm-hmm. It turned out fine. Um, 
I wish I hadn't of uh, I wish I'd have uh, quit drinking sooner. Unfortunately mm-hmm. for me, I, I drink too long, and and um, I wish I could have. You know, it's interesting. Some of the things I feel best about in my life were actually things I quit doing. Yeah. I quit smoking cigarettes when I right after I got married, and I wish I'd have not. I wish I would have uh, gotten sober sooner, mm-hmm. but I didn't, and um, can't do anything about that now. But I just look forward and. And, uh, but uh, regret, I wish I would, you know, part of me wishes I hadn't have worked so many hours when the kids were little. See, yeah, that's kind of the stuff I'm like, I think about, you know, with Cora and I in the business. And, you know, it's like one guy that I follow a lot, just like kind of a entrepreneurial mentor type guy. And he's just always trying to talk to people about their, their regrets and usually he's saying find somebody 20 years older than you are (laughs) you know what i'm saying but that is like something um you know i i look at people on let's say you're wrong of uh where you are in life but like in martial arts Mm -hmm. um or in business or but it's interesting because um even i think all the time just at 35 about things that because you're just, you know, it's like what we're saying with technology. It's like you're forging ahead on this path and shit, you know. All of the adults when I was growing up pretended like they had everything figured out. And then I got to be like 28 and I was like, you guys lied. And y'all don't have anything figured out. Um, it was a weird, a weird revelation. Yes, yeah, you know, we all, I think, we don't appreciate the previous generation, I think, until we get that age, maybe. And um, I think that's just part of the human DNA, I think. I don't know if it's, it's I don't know what causes it, but yeah, it's, um, you know, it's interesting how you look at things differently as you age. How, how do you look at, uh, so you're, we've talked about you teaching, so you're mm-hmm. a psychology professor. Mm-hmm. How do you look at um, something like regret is in, in psychology? Well, you have to, I think it's important to understand that you're part of the human uh, genome. That is, humans are, we're all, uh, we're all capable of, we all have a dark side, I think, and we all have a bright side. Mm-hmm. We all are capable of doing things that we would never think we could do. I've never been in a situation, for, for instance, I had to uh, shoot an intruder in the house or something, or, or to deliver a baby. I mean, I, you just don't know until you get there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but uh, I don't know if I'm answering your question or not. But. No, no, it's, well, I mean, just, uh, it is, it's interesting, which I think uh, you've worked in some, I would say people live with regret mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, about whatever, uh, interpersonal relationships mm-hmm. or uh, things they wish they would or wouldn't have done, opportunities yeah. they missed. But I think, I think pain is a motivator. If you like, for instance, when people quit drinking, if they quit drinking, it's usually because something bad has happened. No one goes to treatment, or no one gets in a program because their life that is, is a good. good. Point. Yeah, they don't go to they don't go to uh, they don't get help because life is great. They go get help because they've either in so much pain, or they've caused so much pain that they're motivated to to do something. Unfortunately, that's part of the human element. I think sometimes we have to feel a great deal of pain before we're motivated to make a change. Um, that's that has been the case with me. I can't speak for everybody, but. No, that I think there's even a saying uh, about like, like hurt people hurt people, or mm-hmm. I believe is the the yeah. maxim. Yeah, if you have a toothache 
uh, if it gets, pain gets bad enough, you'll go to a dentist. You may be tough on the first two or three days, but if that pain gets bad enough, you're going to go to the dentist. Well, if any kind of pain gets bad enough, we usually are, are going to change. It might propel some of us to change. So, unfortunately, we have to get hit over the head a few times to come to that conclusion, but it's better late than never. Better late than never. Jiu-Jitsu is kind of like that mm -hmm. and getting punched in the face. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. It is interesting, like uh, the combat sports side of things. Um, mm -hmm. You just, you know, the punishment is you get yeah. a little brain damage or a broken yeah. something. Yeah, but, you know, hey, if you enjoy it. If I did. Was, yeah. yeah, and you're a consenting adult. It's not like anybody's making you do anything. I know, man. I really like the, the only regret I have with that is what everybody says. I wish I would have started sooner. I didn't start until I was 19 mm -hmm. training, which I'm 35 now. But um, yeah, I think I often wonder. I'm like, what What would it have been like if I would have, uh, you know, when I started training MMA, if I would have already been a Taekwondo black belt mm -hmm. or something like that? Because you know, that was like when I got into MMA, it was '06, so it was like right at the beginning of the widespread popularity that was like when the ultimate fighter was coming out um now there had been like the early ufc in like 93 and stuff but that was like not socially accepted right you know uh, john mccain called it human cockfighting mm -hmm. and he just did not have and then it was on spike tv and then fox and now it's espn it's a national sport it used to be on the fringes it, it, it did. used to be on the fringes nobody knew a whole lot about it like i've told you before uh, we were introduced with Bill Superfoot Wallace back in the yeah. early 70s. He was the first person anybody ever saw who did kickboxing. He was our introduction to that sport. And he was it. That's all. I'm glad was. you came over and saw him, man. Yeah, it was That's a, awesome. I remember when he first came on the scene in the early 70s. And, and again, it was interesting because no one had ever seen anything like that. Mm -hmm. We grew up with boxing and a lot of good boxers, Ollie and Frazier and Norton and... Uh, and uh, Esteban de Jesus and, uh, and those those guys. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. So it was interesting to see somebody coming in and fighting with their feet. That was yeah. completely unlike anything anybody ever seen. It was weird. And people, it'd be like, like when Harley came up with a V-Rod. Nobody, want, oh, your old Harley guys didn't like the V-Rod. Well, it's kind of like old boxers. We don't like that stuff. Oh, kicking and fighting. Nobody, I know that sentiment still that. exists a little bit. Oh. Like, because I mean, we have a we have a boxing club, mm -hmm. but the the people that are th that are there just for to box. Like, I mean, I, I, pretty much everyone that does boxing for the most part is only doing boxing. I got two or three that will do the kickboxing or the muay thai or the jujitsu or they like MMA. But they usually come to the kickbox in the Muay Thai class for that. Yeah. You know? That's good. That's but, good. Uh, it just at the local shows and mm -hmm. stuff, like um that's that's been I felt that sentiment a little yeah. bit. It's yeah. still it's still there. But that's amateur hey, you, boxing you club. You guys are good athletes. I don't you guys are great athletes. Well, Tim, um our boxer, uh the main main boxer, I guess you mm -hmm. could say, he's had I've heard uh, you talk uh, about it. Yeah, he's really good. Um beat another amateur with 300 fights last year so he's gonna have his pro debut real soon good maybe good. uh maybe in shreveport or um tunica i think tunica is where we're looking at but, wow you may yeah. be on tv brian i'm not seeing you know, i was on um some this grappling it was a tournament they had these super fights uh, mm -hmm. there was like a tournament component to it uh but uh it was in Little Rock, and it was on UFC Fight Path. Mm. It was like uh, so you could stream it on there, and uh, 
somebody sent me a snapshot of uh, of me coaching one of the guys on Fight Pass, but one of the one of the guys has got a bite belt uh, through us, uh, owns a school in Fort Smith, mm-hmm. and he's like 52 years old or something, right. 50, 50, 51, I don't know how old you are, Chris, but he's been on the podcast, Chris Thompson, and then one of my guys, the Purple Belt, Edward, they both had matches that night, and they were kind of, well, I guess not digitally t- televised on that UFC app, you know. You've done a good job here, Brian. Um, Russellville was really fortunate to have you here. You know. This business and people that the good that you do in the community and what y'all do here i appreciate really, that really really uh this is uh this is the way russellville needs to head you know russellville needs people like you and, and uh, I, you know i wish that the city um particularly the planning commission was more friendly towards people like Corda mm-hmm. because like we've added on this parking edition and they're all over us about it yeah there's too many agendas too many people the, yeah the, the zoning codes and requirements it just you know what I want to do is match my parking lot up front. Mm-hmm. Just like double lane down the side, put that same amount in the back. And uh, they, they're talking about drainage inserts and curbs and gutters, and uh, which I'm not super opposed to. But if it's going to drive it up to like 30 grand, I mean, and that's the problem. It's like, you know, I'm, I want to improve the structure over time. And I mean, that's really been the whole narrative of mm-hmm. this is our fourth location. And man, I'm tired of moving. Yeah, imagine, bet, imagine me taking all this stuff oh, down. Oh man, uh, hopefully you won't. Hopefully you won't. Yeah, 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 man. Yeah. Well, uh, man, we can go ahead and wrap it up. Uh, okay. I appreciate. Well, uh, I appreciate you inviting me. Uh, I've wanted to do this for a long time. I wanted to have you on. We got to listen to a record, yeah, um, yeah. and that's a sentimental record too. It's been man. a while since I had headphones on. I love, like I say, working in radio in my early career. I spent about three years of my life doing this right here. And, and having carts and reel to reels and and uh, doing the friendly show, people wanting to trade a tiller for a can of bean, a, mm-hmm. a bushel of peas or something. So uh, yeah, I'm comfortable. With You'll that. have to, uh, you know, one time you're in for your master gardeners. If you don't have anything, hit me up. And, I will. Uh, I will. Maybe may get will. you behind that yeah. drum kit over hey, there. Pope County Master Gardeners. They they rock. Represent. They, they rock. They rock. You are so you are a master gardener I too. Am. We didn't yeah. talk about that. See, when I was your age or when I was in my twenties. I would have never dreamed I'd be a master gardener. Cora is turning green thumb on us. We need more green thumb. When you were out at the house, I think you commented, but she's um, she's potted three or four more plants. Yeah, she's Um, doing a good job. And, and, uh, yeah, it's good. I I enjoy it. I enjoy it. When I was a kid, I didn't want to be in the garden because I had to be. As an adult, I like it now because it's on my terms. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you inviting me in, Brian. Thanks, You're a good dude, man. I appreciate you inviting me. All right, man. Have a good one, bro. Yeah, yeah. Thank you.